Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Media Tech Podcast. My name is Billy Newman. And I'm Marina Hansen. And we are discussing some of the news and events about media and technology for the date of December 4th, 2017. How you doing, Marina? Good. I'm happy to be doing another show with you. Yeah, I'm really glad we're uh, putting in some time and uh, getting some recordings in. I think it's cool building out this feed a little bit and uh, putting some effort into some news and some updates about uh, some technology and some media stuff. Marina and I have been uh, into media and technology and stuff for years. I've been uh, into school for media. I think well, I went to school for new media, which is really just like the, the, the merger of technology and media communications or technology and arts. And I've really always liked that sort of stuff the most. So I think it's cool to have a podcast about it to get to talk about just some of our interests. I guess it's just like some time to talk about some of our general interests too. Today, we're probably going to get into some of the nitty gritty of the interesting stuff about our studio later. That'll be pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> talk about our, how to build an RSS feed and <laughs> audio chain from mic to mixer. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about some of the, the technology news stuff. There's one of the headlines that was uh, about Cyber Monday. And Cyber Monday is like the it's holiday, right? I say that with quotations because really neither is Black Friday a holiday. Thanksgiving's a holiday. But uh, after that, there's sort of been these consumer holidays that have sort of started to develop over the last bit more than a decade or so. It seems like about 15 years or so. Yeah. I don't know when. Something like that sounds about right to me. That's when I, I think first started kind of coming into contact with that idea that the uh, you know, the early hour, like everything opens at 5 a.m. thing. I, th I remember that being kind of fun a couple of times. I don't like the idea so much of everything opening up on Thanksgiving Day at 4. That doesn't seem to be no. the, uh, <clears throat> the fun to me. So I don't know if there's anything that's really a doorbuster like that that would be worth that much to me. But, uh, but there is the Cyber Monday, which is sort of developed after that, which is the, uh, I think back in the day, it was sort of understood to be Cyber Monday because uh, internet to the home really wasn't that good for a long time, you know, for that yeah. for most of the decade. And so people would wait until they got to their, their faster internet connection at work after th the Thanksgiving holiday to sort of pop online and then make a bunch of pur purchases that day. But I guess that's kind of where the idea Cyber Monday came about, was all these people that had unspent cash that was supposed to kind of go toward Black Friday went ahead and made those purchases with their dollars online instead. And so that was where this first idea of the Cyber Monday started popping up. It's sort of silly. That's cool, though. I didn't know that that was, that was quite how it was, or that that was, like, why Monday. That, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, they, yeah. Wait till Monday for some. <laughs> wait till of the deals. people are at work with a good internet connection. Yeah, it was something I didn't like that, have. So. I didn't have an internet connection for a long time. Right. When I was younger. Yeah, I guess that was still how it went for a lot of the online shopping stuff. And you know, even for a long time, it, it really didn't make sense for online shopping to be the, the the main way that people would do their shopping. But I guess this yeah. year it broke fifty percent. For the first time, like the, the wow. shopping for, for that weekend was 50% online and really an astounding amount of that trended to be mobile use. Like what we were talking about oh, the other wow. day of yeah, using our mobile phone to, to go on the Amazon app and go through and sure. check stuff. I remember years ago, like when I, when I first got my iPod Touch and I was uh, checking it out and going over stuff and like using the Amazon app and it, that was just like the web store. It was just like kind of, kind of made like a, a faux browser app to like show you the the web page yeah. on your phone. That was really the only thing that the app did. It was terrible for making any purchases. And so this, they've come so far in the type of development that they do and the way that they like make their code to pull from the site to make like a, a reasonable shopping experience for someone that's on just a mobile device. And it's so much better now. 
like what we know now, like with the with like a larger screen phone, like either the four point seven or five point five inch phone, it's way more doable on that than it would have been even on like the five S phone, which sounds oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good size phone, but it's just the three GS, four S, that whole that smaller size, it was it was much harder to do this type of complex shopping on. And now it really is, I guess, a possibility. So with the advent of like the mobile devices being much more adept to it and the service industry, kind of like Amazon, really just developing the whole the whole service market to be able to process online orders in this way, it's like really like it's been astounding like how much it's changed things. But it's interesting like how many people are, are able to do purchases just from their phone now and how many people feel comfortable with that. I still really tend to go to the laptop to make a money purchase. I've- yeah, I was going to say, I I still would feel weird about using my phone for purchases. Yeah, in a sense I would. I mean, there's there's some stuff I would find. I think it's, you know, what, what do you generally I think trend toward? And- yeah, I think part, I mean, really part of it is just that that's not what a phone has been to me. I use it for, like, really everything else that I would do on my computer or can. But but that, that purchasing thing is something I yeah. still just haven't gotten into, so the idea of it still sounds... Strange, I know, I though. Know. Really, why would that be different than doing it on my laptop? Yeah, pretty soon. If, especially pretty if I'm just way. sitting in my house, even. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that too. If you're just like sitting around, it, it seems like more and more of that stuff's gonna go to the device. Or like if we start like moving toward like the Alexa system, or you're like the, the Echo sure, voice yeah. command systems. It's gonna be interesting to see if there's purchasing. To, that's Amazon's hope, right? Is that the Alexa voice skills system is gonna lead to make purchases? Yeah. So like Alexa reorder this sort of a thing, you know, and it'll be That'd be funny. And sort of thing. But I don't know. It was kind of interesting, you know, and like the Alexa, well, so there was Cyber Monday and there's a bunch of products sold for Cyber Monday for the Christmas holiday buying season. And there's a, there's a handful of like doorbuster TV deals at the high end, like a 4k really big screen, actually nice TV in like the thousand dollar range. And then there's like the, the lower end doorbuster deals to get you into getting, you know, a screen of 40 something inches for $199 at Best Buy, whatever it was. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that that was going on. And I, there's really great TV deals out there, it seems like, almost all the time. And it seems like kind of the progression of TV deals, it, there, there's a lot of opportunity to get really good stuff now. It doesn't seem like it's a big problem getting a good screen in your house anymore for an yeah, inexpensive price. that's really true. Yeah, it used to be. It seemed like it used to be hard. I even remember back in the day of like getting you know the rabbit ear TVs for, for a pretty expensive price. Yeah. Like it still cost a bit just to get that and you know, those UHF, VHF stuff. And then maybe you could get like a cable box to go into it. But that was like the TV market. And that was like 19 inches color across. Nothing like <laughs> HD. So there's just like so much advancement in the screen technology we have. I'm really satisfied with the, the kind of stuff that I have. And I'm not a big TV person, I guess, as it goes anyway. So fill out with that stuff. But as it goes with like the audio stuff, it's interesting. Like, Amazon sold a ton of these Amazon Echo devices, like the Echo Dots, that they seriously discounted. Like I think it was fifty dollars to like thirty dollars. Yeah, I think that they were. I think that they were about half price. Yeah, they're really cheap. Yeah, it was a great. It's a great deal. And then like the the bigger one, like the Amazon Echo Two, I think was discounted from a hundred dollars to seventy nine dollars or sixty nine dollars. I don't know. It was like seventy bucks. I can't remember what it was. It must have been eighty bucks, but that was uh, yeah, like a couple a couple good discounts. But I guess uh, the Google Home was discounted pretty steeply too, and the Google Home Mini was like you know it's, it, comparable products like the Google Home, 
main speaker system, I think was like 80 bucks also matching the price point of the Alexa or the Amazon Echo. And then uh, I think like 30 bucks for the Google Home Mini, which matches the price for the Amazon Echo Dot. So they were kind of doing that, that head-to-head price comparison for uh, Google and Amazon. It's interesting kind of seeing the two compete against each other. Yeah. And I hear like there's, uh, there's advantages and, and maybe disadvantages to both. I'm not really sure what it would be, but Google really is, I think, far and ahead in, in natural voice systems like because they've been collecting data for so long. So like if you think of like how natural the voice sounds in Siri, do you remember like the oh, earlier versions? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it was like a little bit more robotic or a little bit more yeah. machine-like. And so now it's a little bit more human-like. And now if we kind of remember some of the voice that we heard on Alexa, it was a little bit more robotic still. It's pretty robotic. And there's some of the contextual awareness that it doesn't really have in the way that it's able to parse sentences. And that's Oh, sure. That's an element of human thinking and linguistics that we really don't perceive as being an issue when we talk human to human. And it's interesting, we don't really have to talk to animals that often, so it doesn't end up being that hard. Or, you know, there's like commands and stuff that like we, we end up like training animals for. But there's really no other thing that we have to talk to. So it's kind of weird when we end up having to train something that seems like it should be able to talk back to us. But yeah. it, it doesn't understand that at all. It doesn't even understand the idea of parsing a sentence to understand what to have the context of what you last said to reference that in data of what you're now saying. It just like loses track of that. And it really, I think that the AI stuff in that, like it, it's still kind of like keyword based in a lot of ways. So Google and the Google home systems are really able to have like a, a more interest or a more conversational tone in the AI voice that it's able to provide. Like you, you can say, um, like, how far is it to Portland, Oregon? And then it'll say the answer. And then you can say, what temperature is it there? And it'll have the context to understand that it is in Portland that you meant to get the temperature. On the Alexa system, I don't know if it has that kind of contextual awareness of some of the stuff that it's doing. Now, ultimately, any of these voice services are drastically underwhelming in a sense of like how contextual contextually aware they really will be does that make you know it's not it's not the, the computer from star trek yeah where it understands what you're saying and can yeah. give you information about it it's still like popping on keyword phrases that it's hearing you pick up like weather or like some other thing but it's, it's hearing like a keyword phrase and then it's grabbing that and it's that's like the only data it's able to parse from that voice sentence to send back like the rest of the information so it's weird how it's able to do stuff but really interesting. That's one of the highest selling gift items or products that like Amazon was moving this year was the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot. And I think along with the like, Google and that their line of products too. But it was interesting to see like how how heavily discounted they were and how many of them they were moving. And it's cool too. I think like we're gonna try and do a bunch of stuff on the Alexa and um, and just like that whole system of the Amazon Echo platform. It seems like it's gonna be some really interesting stuff to work on. Yeah, I think so. And like, especially with it being such a a big item that's popular right now, I think it's a cool time to be getting into it because it, like we've noticed uh, so far, um, there's really not that much that's developed for it yet. It doesn't seem like there's really that many things that are strongly developed for the Alexa platform yet. And yeah, I think they're like really just building it out right now. So there's no way to make money right now because no. I think it's one of the things that's sort of slow in the development. There's no commercial development yet. And I think that that's maybe a good reason to get in and sort of get some understanding of what's going on right now. 
around it, but it's really cool. Like checking out the skills. Yeah, it is cool. There are, uh, there's, uh, the flash briefings, which are part of the skills. And then I guess there are also, um, the other versions of skills that there are. There are like skills data driven. I don't know. how. Yeah. There's like, uh, accessing information from websites or databases that you can kind of program. Um, or, uh, there's also this whole other section of the skills that involves, um, like interaction with, um, what would they be called? They're the, I guess the like smart home yeah. devices and yeah, things device. like your lights or sure. the lock on your door sure. or things that, um, that, uh, you can, I guess, program yeah. to relate to those things or interact with those things. The smart home hub system. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then there's also the flash briefings, which I think is kind of the most interesting part of it for, for our interests, at least with yeah. the, like the audio stuff that you can get into. I'm excited to get into that a bit. Yeah. I know like the Alexa skill system is kind of interesting of like what you can call out to Alexa and then what can Alexa find for it to give you some information. Sure. Like I think one of the examples is, um, like what is the tide currently near Seattle. Right. And then, uh, you would have a program that you wrote for it that, uh, accesses whatever database for, for that tide information, finds your tide table and the projection or something and and then says it to you. It's an interesting way of like getting some information and I could see that being pretty useful, but I also have sort of like a limited run of uses that I can really figure out how it works. Yeah. I think another thing is like games, like yeah. question answer games, I think is a, a thing that you can write for it. That's a skill. Yeah. I see some qu- like question some entertainment sort of things. I see yeah, a few kind of simple sort of novelty entertainment systems, but it's, it's difficult to make it do anything really clever. Yeah. Uh, there's some good, like, uh, set a reminder, put this on my calendar sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, I think you can say, send a message or write this email or, something like that make a phone call i think you just say dial oh, this person cool. it could be a speaker phone so there's a few like there's there's some interesting utility things like that a lot of like calculator or kitchen timer stuff really i just hear yeah the just timer. some basic yeah useful little tools yeah and, and i think essentially like every person gets through their day with the need of those types of tools and access to communication or something like that yeah it's probably a good opportunity for that but you're right though that i think one of the most interesting interesting things are these Alexa flash briefings that uh, that they've made available. But that's like a new kind of publishing platform, which is kind of interesting, especially for us that like like doing podcasting stuff or like doing audio recording. Um, yeah, it's a new like feature to use audio recording stuff. And it's sort of similar to podcasting in a sense because you, you really just submit an RSS feed to this Alexa flash briefing system once you become a, an, an Amazon Alexa developer. And so you enter like this developer program, you submit an RSS feed and you kind of build some context around the skill as it is. Like you, you build some context around what it's called, what Alexa says, if such and such happens to it, or you know what the phrasing is around the name of your thing. You, ha- you kind of have to go in there and write some of that stuff out, write your description out, put your stuff together for your store, add an image in the right size, that sort of stuff. But it was really all, all pretty straightforward. And then you publish it and then you just continue to update the content for the podcast or your RSS feed and you just kind of continue to update that media file 
and that's like what ends up going up onto your Alexa flash briefing. And it's kind of interesting how it works though. Like, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's it's awesome how easy it is to set up. Yeah. And the way that um, the briefing... So I haven't listened to a ton of them. Um, I still really need to get familiar with what what other people are doing for oh, the flash briefings. Too. yeah. But it seems like the format... I think that there are limitations on it. Like it has to be under 10 minutes or something. Yeah. And then also you would want it to be... It seems is what like it you seems would like. Want it to be. Yeah, yeah, it seems like the format is that really it's good for something that's maybe two or three minutes long. Yeah. But it's supposed yeah. to be like a brief thing that you listen to, not a show that you yeah. listen to. It really or, does seem like that, like a way to get a piece of information quickly and then kind of move on to your next item in that. And there seems like a lot of opportunity though to diversify that, or you know, like just yeah. to make like a ton of really short pieces of content that are about a lot of different things. Yeah, that could be I think there's a ton briefings. that can be done with the flash briefings. That'd be like pretty interesting, yeah. and fun to listen to. Yeah, it seems like an interesting kind of kind of thing to build on. It's cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's another cool audio thing to be getting into. It seems like like uh, it reaches people really well. Also, we've I'm interested. Yeah, we've done uh, a couple test sort of uh, recordings or episodes for it. Yeah. I don't know what to call the pieces. Maybe episodes isn't right. Um, but we, uh, we've got a few of those up and, uh, it looks like people are listening to them, which is really cool. I was surprised too. Yeah. There was a significant amount of action on it really like exponentially more than what seems to be the action on these podcasts. For our podcast, definitely. Yeah. That's a bunch. Yeah. It was, it's almost one of the most listened to items in my RSS feed already. Yeah. It's been up for two days, Brita. That's just, I, I'm excited. I thought that was really cool. Like, uh, I'm a lot really of, excited. A lot of attention on it, so. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it'll be a useful way to redirect to our other stuff that people can't find. Yes, that's what I'm really thinking is that's, it's going to be like when we really got into um, the, blah, 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 what was that? Twitter, not Twitter, open source Twitter. Mastodon. Mastodon. Yeah. When we were getting into Mastodon, that and we was were just awesome. Like hammering it to, to reach out to people. I yeah. think it's a similar opportunity in a sense. Like what yeah, we just right said, now. that Cyber Monday thing, everybody just bought an Amazon Alexa system or an Echo Dot. Yeah, everyone's That's, got it. Yeah, they're all going to open it on uh, Christmas and like through the New Year. So I really think there's going to be like a super heavy period kind of ramping up now as people like start to use them in the holidays, through the holidays, early holiday stuff. But really, I think it's going to be like a ton of stuff right about Christmas up into about February or so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, because everyone's going to have, everyone's going to be getting them for the holidays, like you're saying. Everybody bought them for Cyber Monday, but there's really not very much content that exists for them right now. Yeah. So it's a really good opportunity to saturate that a lot with our stuff. And I'm be- totally in. And be what's her like, like you were just saying with, uh, with the Mastodon stuff, that was super cool. Cause it was like, right when it was new, there were a lot of people who were checking it out, but there wasn't a ton of stuff that was up yeah. yet. Yeah. Or at least in comparison to like, like what Twitter, like Twitter would be. Now, yeah. like no one talks like, to you on Twitter. Nobody cares. Absolutely. No one wants to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to you. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> it's true. The deal with Twitter. But yeah, but on Mastodon, it was awesome because people were like really into this new thing and really wanting to just check out and see 
what you even could do with it. Not even necessarily what you'd be interested in, but just what, what does this do? What does right. it have on it? Yeah. What does this do? What does it have on it? What can we explore around here? And you're going to jump into a couple topics you didn't think you would maybe. Yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting thing about it. So I really want to try and hit it with like, Hey, what can we, we can make this do something cool for people. Like when they get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm really into developing a bunch of, I think the flash briefings are like the thing that we should be developing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm into doing a ton of stuff for that. I think there are a bunch of different topics that we could get into that'd be really interesting. I, right I now, totally agree, yeah. Right now, the one that we're doing is uh, relating to our sky watching uh, and astronomy podcast, the Night Sky Podcast. Yeah. And the flash briefing, I, I think you said it earlier, but it's uh, Night Sky 365. Night Sky 365. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's that one, and I, we've been talking about wanting to do or that we should be thinking about and working yeah. out some other ones that we can make too. Yeah. Cause really like we could do, we could do a ton of different things. There's so much opportunity for anybody right now to be Definitely developing right really whatever they want for this. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is really super, a great it's opportunity. If there's really any type cool of opportunity. Yeah. Any kind of interest you have, you can really just like get in and make these like quick updates, put it all up. I've scheduled yeah. a bunch of them up on my WordPress site to go out in the feed and they go out. It's great. Yeah. And if, uh, if you aren't like us and super lucky to have a home audio recording system, then I think that there's also the option where you can just write the information oh, yeah. and Alexa will just read it. Yeah. You can write So if you don't have audio equipment, you can still be making flash briefings or other, oh, or developing idea. other stuff for, for if you're interested in I'm checking it out. I'm thinking about that too. Yeah. We should do some stuff like that. Just make a bunch of text ones also. I yeah, know, I, know, I, is, I like the audio stuff. But, I want the audio stuff. Really. But I we should check it out though, just to yeah. to see what it's like. I yeah, all our time right now should out. go into like the pod, pod or the audio radio stuff of it. Yeah, it's super fun. That was always my favorite That's part really of it, fun. like the announcing part of it. Yeah, having a thing to read for like two minutes about a subject. That's yeah, a, that's my spot right there. But like two hours of a podcast or something like that, just blah, 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 talking every week about the same job, subject where nothing's changed. That's hard. I don't know if I could be that kind of radio guy. <laughs> I don't know how like, uh, like uh, the political guys, I don't know how they do it. Four hours a day. Oh my gosh. Oh, they have to have radio breaks for that. We yeah, got no radio kidding. breaks. We got to, we got to boop, 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 plug in commercials, sending you guys to commercials. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of here for a few. <laughs> That's how we get through four hours. Yeah, I was going to say, that's how you get through it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a crazy thing. But I really want to jump into four hours, right, of um, production for Alexa skills a day or Alexa flash briefings. Like, I really want to jump in and try and do some more audio recording for that so that we have, like, a few for, like, the next couple days sort of a thing set up. And then I want to try and make multiple feeds and multiple topic ideas. yeah. Minimally stuff that we can kind of like, yeah, you know, like photos, right? Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about media and technology. Oh yeah, definitely. I think like a lot of technology enthusiasts would probably be getting into it. So I I think that that's definitely one we should hit. Yeah. There's the big competitors and stuff in that side, but I think like photo isn't really addressed. I think there's a lot of stuff on there that would really have some content that you could jump into and and make some stuff out of. So I don't know if like the camera news update is the cool thing that I want to jump on, but Maybe there's something yeah. other, some other more artsy thing. There's maybe like the camera, the lens, lens of the day, but maybe there's like photo <laughs> book of the day. Yeah. Go on Amazon, you know, kind of cross, cross reference. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, go on Amazon and uh, check out a, a whatever to this photo book. We should do some stuff like that. Like uh, make, I wonder if there's like a business angle of making pot, like a, let's say like a book of the day thing. Mm-hmm. And then you make an Amazon affiliate link. Oh, sure. I wonder if that's an option. How could you? You probably can't really do that through the Amazon Echo yet. Cause I, You'd have to direct people to like a Twitter if, feed. Yeah, because like they'd have to like some, use a link yeah, right, it, that they would select. Yeah, so it would be, so it'd be like some kind of, of it. I would think it would be like some kind of marketing <laughs> pop-up operation where you would say, like, I don't want I wonder how you'd do that. It would be like, uh, like you would have a flash briefing that you would try and like uh, get popular sort of a thing, you know, like, like a popular Instagram or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, I don't know if anything really gets popular. This seems like a silly idea. I'm over it. <laughs> but so over money. It. Uh, someday there's probably going to be a way. I bet Amazon will will build this in at some point, and when they do, we should jump on it. But uh, as soon as they let you put in affiliate links to buy products that are on Amazon through yeah. your flash briefing, we should be building content and then placing those affiliate links off of that. That'd be cool. So that we can build content around items to make Amazon purchases on. Like, so we do like a ton of camera reviews at that point and then affiliate link to that. Or we do like yeah. a book review sort of flash briefing thing. If that makes sense, you know, like, Hey, here's your photo book of the day. This one's put out by whoever, whoever. And it's a really pretty one about these landscape photos that were taken in the wherevers in this, whatever year. And it's this really interesting collection of blah, blah, blah. And you can order that here now by saying Alexa, order this. You know, something like that. But whenever yeah. that comes out, we should like figure that out and like we should like punch on that. But that'd be a cool, a cool way to like put out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, if that's ever like the type of content that would be cool. That's gonna be selly content though. Mm-hmm. And I think like that kind of stuff, it's interesting. it's interesting. Everything ends up having its own context. Like every like medium ends up having its own kind of thing. So I wonder if the Amazon Alexa, Amazon Echo uh, if anybody actually does hear this and has an echo, it's gonna like pop that. It's going to pop that voice recognizer off all the time. Every time I say Alexa, right? But every, um, one person's going to hear this. They're not going to have an Alexa. We should listen to it when we get ours rolling. Yeah. And then we'll see how many times our podcast pops the voice search <laughs> of our we'll speaker. Just, we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they have it set up like that. But uh, but it'll be interesting for us to get into like the Alexa system and the Alexa flash briefing system. And I really want to try and put out as much content as we can around like a lot of different subjects that we have like a genuine interest about, but we could probably write out a lot of stuff fairly quickly and then make, you know, a lot of posts that happen like pretty quickly around the end of December and like beginning of January during that big pop that happens after Christmas. But yeah. I think that's the time that people are going to use a lot of stuff. So it'll be cool. We should try and get into it a bunch. But I don't know what other ideas we have. The Night Sky one is kind of an okay idea because we're already doing that podcast. The, like we're working on these podcasts now, though. Like tech and media is a great one to get into. Yeah, I think so. Could probably do a decent bit of talking about that. Probably photography also. And like photography. Uh, content or something or like whatever industry... I don't know what other kind of things. I'm also trying to think of the stuff that's sort of um, um, advantageous for the Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Not just what could we do, but 
what would actually make sense or like match up with the Alexa stuff. I'm sure there are topics we could talk about that wouldn't end up being listened to. Yes. Or really caught on to. I think photography is probably but an underdeveloped one right now on yeah. that platform. Like there's tech, there's a couple tech news podcasts. I really don't think those are great products though on it. So I think there's probably some room for us to do some stuff in this if, if we if we were smart about it. But I don't know though. It's kind of a tricky thing. Like uh, just reading the headlines or something. I just, I don't think that's like a super valuable thing. No, I don't either. I think it would need to be something a little bit more more interesting or fun yeah yeah like a, a little bit more fl- I, but i don't want to do just like a report every morning i don't know what you think you know yeah some like it needs to be kind of like a radio open mm-hmm. but yeah it needs to energy, have that kind of energy yeah. but it also needs to sort of level off and have like a little bit of context to it too mm-hmm. and right because it's not it's not a show. You have to get that balance with it because it's only two minutes. Yeah. So it has to be like comfortable and good sounding, but you also need it to like move along and like be really to a specific point. Yeah. That's sort of what I was thinking is that, yeah, it's like, I was wondering if, does it have to have that, like the same energy as like a, like an e-news report? That's sort of what's in my <laughs> mind is like. It's like you got to have like the, you wouldn't believe what you're going to see next when this breaking news finally reaches your, you know, like, so it's like, it's kind of like this intensity mm-hmm. thing. So I was trying to figure out um, if it should have like that, like radio attention um, or if it should be like a different kind of thing. But it's, it's tricky, like trying to figure out a three minute format mm-hmm. of something. Um, I, f- I feel like three or four minutes is a great amount of time. Like if you're going to do, like say you were going to do news or world or like, you know, some kind of world news thing or something, you could probably read off a lot of headlines for like the day's news in about four minutes. But I think like uh, it would make more sense to just do one story in that four minute briefing. Yeah. Um, like it would be Yeah, like it would just be like a really piece. good review. Yeah. If that would make sense. Like, yeah, if you're going to have the news, it, would, it wouldn't be just like a person reading. Yeah, a bunch of little topics off, or like headlines off. Yeah. It'd I really like, be more like a a good in-depth but brief yeah. explanation of kind of one thing. Yeah, and that would be special too. Like if, if you were listening to radio, it would, it would never be four minutes of someone at NPR reading. The next headline is, the next headline is, you know, like yeah, it wouldn't make any yeah. sense like that. So if they had four minutes of radio time, they would really, even on NPR radio, like they would want to break that up into a sense where they'd have uh, some some kind of header audio piece, some kind of contextual piece that like sets up what the package is that's going to happen next. Yeah. Same with like a news show sort of a thing. News was kind of built on the same ideas, like some of the radio packaging that they'd built prior to that, where like you have a host and they say like, hey, thanks for being here for this our story today is this break to package. And then like that goes into like whatever that, that news story is at the time. There's, there's like headlines and stuff for like radio people now that, that come in and um, you know, they'll read two minutes of breaking news sort of a thing, but there is still like the radio package or the radio story. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see like how, how audio stuff can be put together. That is cool to hear. Yeah. On an Alexa. And it feels like higher production. Yeah. It seems like something, something more than 
good casual yeah conversation it, it seems like it needs it does need to be a little bit more developed like this is important <laughs> yeah. it, it really feels like it's supposed to hit a little bit it feels like um it feels like radio lab would work really well oh sure you know like the little the little sounds and stuff yeah and, and that sort of like cadence that they have to the way that they move through it I was thinking, or like some, you know, some kind of like four minute like version of that. Yeah. Some kind of quirky story that is ordinary, but has a weird reveal. Mm-hmm. Or you come at backwards, something like that. Yeah. And it's got like a bunch of like radio, but the radio production side, I guess, is more what I think of like just the, the tightness of like lots of sounds at the beginning, lots of clips, lots of like contextual dimensionality. I remember them sure. saying that one time. It's like, what is that? mean but really it just means they took they recorded like if we recorded this podcast take mm-hmm. over notes that we had and then we stopped and then recorded it again uh, and we hit the same beats mm-hmm. and then we matched those two up and then we bounced between the two different takes of the audio or let's uh. say three or four different takes and so you have us discuss the same topic in the same podcast with the same notes four different times but then that is spliced together to get these like interesting and interdimensional audio clips. That's how they put that type of show together. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting. So that at the beginning, really of the re- yeah, they write out like their notes for a show, like a play. Yeah. And then they do the play three times and then record the take. And then they put the spend the rest of the time like audio assembling it so that they take like some of it from here, but not just like, not to make it seamless, but to, to make it feel like you're listening to the same thoughts expressed, but from a different time or a second time or something or like, but it's, it's this like weird, it's this weird effect of trying to, to layer it so that you have like, you know that they did it more than once. Yeah. And it's interdimensional, right? Like it's, it sounds like Very them, dimensional. like a, yeah, like it sounds like a version of them saying that at another time, but without context that they had already said it. Yeah. So it's, they do that a lot in Radio Lab, or like their their interview in the studio starts matching up with the interview that they did in the field outside of it. Right? Yeah, I've where, noticed that stuff with them a lot. Yeah, they'll like they'll match even on word sort of a thing. Like they'll edit on word yeah. to make it. So it just seems like uh, some of those like tight sound engineering. Yeah, and things. really developed pieces. Yeah, it seems like that kind of thing in two minutes would work really well on a feel, on a thing like. An Alexa flash briefing. I don't really want to build that. So. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of work. But uh, also, you're right, though. That really like that really s- seems like the kind of sound that would be perfect on Alexa stuff. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah like fast moving, but sort of structured. Yeah, and kind of like cute sounding, too. Cute sounding. But, like, but cool yeah. and like professional. Yeah. We gotta think about that a little bit. I want to. Th- I don't want to produce that though. It's a. Lo- I mean, you, you saw how much it was just. I don't know. These silly things. Yeah, I don't know about the going over a script multiple times part, but I like the having like more more audio clips or like more sound clips. Yes, I do too. I'm into developing that stuff. I do too. I yeah. think that'd be cool. And really, like for the for the um, flash briefing stuff, like we could probably develop some some sound pieces that we could just reuse. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. And we wouldn't have to, and then we wouldn't have to like do the work of developing it every single time. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it is set up. I want to try and get your, uh, Oh, that, yeah. That, that MIDI board. Yeah. I want to try and get that MIDI board in action and then have that trigger Definitely. 
to some. Oh, that would be so sounds. much fun. Yeah, we should <laughs> use that for the flash briefings. Yeah, because then we could do it live, so it's still it's not dynamic, really. It'd be so dynamic. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I really. That'd be awesome. I think that would be kind of fun. That'd to be do. kind of cool way to do it. We should. I like the soundboard stuff. Bit. Yeah, I want to get into the soundboard. I want to get into some post-processing audio stuff, but that's it's a little hard. And I love the idea of like hitting it, yeah. triggering it live and stuff. That's a great idea. So we, we got to work on that. I want to work on that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really cool. I, 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 yeah. We should develop some, we should develop some, some little pieces for that. And then we can have a soundboard to use. We got to have a soundboard. Read out with the soundboard. We need it. Yeah. We should do something for this uh, tech show too. Like yeah. Like some kind of tech story of the day or something like that. And then I, I can trigger a cool little tech sounding noise. Tech sound. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that's how they'll know we're pros Ooh, we'll be so pro Marina. yeah I want it <laughs> that to sounds be. really fun i'd love to do that this is a good podcast to get to play around with that idea yeah i want to be goo- i want to be a little goofy <laughs> on this show that would be a really good one to do we should do really bad or like really goofy radio <laughs> uh, i'd be great at that <laughs> that's already how i am uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little too goofy uh, no it's it's going great you're really fun, Marina. Thanks oh, for doing thanks these podcasts with me. Thanks for teaching me how to broadcast. Be a little broadcaster. Yeah, this is better than my internship ever was. Yeah, man, this is awesome. <laughs> I feel like I'm actually learning. Be a little studio producer. It's pretty cool. I like it a bunch. Uh, yeah, I think getting into some soundboard stuff would be a bunch of fun. We'll figure out the soundboard. We got to set that up for the new year. We got I like uh, doing a little bit more production stuff on the podcast as we were running out. Yeah, me too. I thought that's been pretty cool. I think it's been great. And uh, yeah, someday I want to figure out how to like put clips on the show. I don't know if you'd ever want to do that, like the tech show or something like that. You know, talk about like there's a oh, like clips from other shows. Yeah, or like have have something to run to and trigger, and then like we talk about. Oh, that's a really fun idea. Yeah, there's probably some stuff around that that we should do. Like, uh, I mean, like we see like you know every other podcast kind of do that sort of thing where they like look at or see the media and then have comments about it yeah but i think there's a way that we could kind of produce around i like that idea a whole bunch yeah Yeah. i really i want to use that midi board for a bunch of things it would be really fun that though is i know that's a lot of pre-planning or like a lot of a lot Uh, of work beforehand of like getting all those clips made up yeah the clip stuff is too is maybe tough so we'll get settled in with these podcasts a little bit yeah. but maybe we'll, we'll get uh, to ahead we'll of myself. a clip or two someday it's it's yeah, like a one or two clip kind of show yeah i was gonna say we're not going for for what some other shows do right it's like tons of clips yeah. yeah it would really probably just be like one or two yeah here's like that's a not that context. hard i think we, we can, can do, do that, that. we can I shouldn't that be lazy from our I can do from that. our laptop or something and we can run that into the soundboard and uh, and run it right into the audio which would be cool. Yeah, it would be super cool. Do I think it would be really fun. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. We should try it out for a few episodes. I want to try some, yeah, we'll try and get some live sound stuff going. But hey, people are, people are here for the hard technology news, Marina. It's true. They're here for the, the hard-hitting media <laughs> concepts we have to talk about, so. No, they want sound clips, Billy. They want the clip. <laughs> <laughs> they want the ray gun sound I'm going to try to find. <laughs> Or like the, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find like off balance crash landing UFO. That's like the sound. That's like the, Is that what it's? T- I don't know what it's called, but it's like, it's going to be some sound where it, like if it were some off kilter spaceship yeah. was about to crash land. That's the sound I want for my radio show. 
We need that sound. I don't know. What's, do you know what sound? I think. You yeah. You can imagine some sort of spaceshipy. I can, I can imagine. Sort of a sound. Yeah. Oh, a cool sound, Zarina. We need you it for our tech show. Oh yeah. Like like the hip AM, even AM radio, or like FM radio bumpers, where it's like, you know, just all these silly, crazy sounds that come through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tons of crazy sounds. I'm sure we can find some good ones. We should figure out some bumpers. We should oh, do some yeah. radio bumpers. We, you should do like a little promo commercial for me, Marina. Like, you know, like when we have to, when we have like other other podcasts. So like for this podcast, you can have a podcast or a little promo at the middle or the end of it or something. That's like remember, check out. Yeah, check out the <laughs> next capo. Check out the this podcast. Check out. Get out there, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do some little <laughs> Billy Newman photo podcast. radio promos after the show or something. I'm yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Cute. Or we should have, uh, like, you're listening to, and the, you know, like the, like the stuff. Media Tech Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, when we listen to those old radio shows and they, you hear, like, how the, the little promos oh are gosh. cut together. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, like when they do, like, the 10 second radio break or something like that. Or, like, the, the, the other radio stations where it's like, you're listening oh, yeah, to you're listening. Real Rock, K-U-P-D. And yeah. then it's like all these like silly little, little run-throughs, but we should do a bunch of those. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> we Some need little, Oh, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Marina, we got to produce those. <laughs> Forget about those other projects. What's the word on those radio promos that we were goofing around? would <laughs> be cool. But we've been putting the studio together. We've got some studio things on that Christmas list, too. Yes, we do. It's kind of interesting when you're doing, like, home podcasting stuff and you're, you're trying to put together a studio uh, in a room of your house. Like, how do you do that? And, like, what do you do? This is a really great way of doing it. Like, the way that we have set up right now, it's, like, really inconsequential to the workspace that oh, we have. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's just, like, uh, it's, like, two microphones on arms on either end of the, the desk that we already use to uh to work at and yeah it has a it's like a a small dining room table size desk yeah it's like and five uh, or six feet by four feet or something yeah and uh we're on uh either side either side it's a little studio desk and yeah we got our laptops we got the laptop here and our the monitor and in the middle so so I, and like and every all the mixer stuff and the computer and stuff's behind me as it goes yeah that has its own little desk but I think we're looking at like new arms for it. That's like one of the, the things that we were yeah, trying to check out. Yeah, for our mic stands. Yeah. Not arms for us. <laughs> I need new arms too. But uh, we, yeah, we need the new microphone stands, these boom mic uh, arms, right? Like they come over. Yeah. Like you probably imagine like in a radio station or something, the, the arm that kind of hangs over that jointed elbow piece that like has the mic at the end of it. And so like right now we have a version of that, but it's really not quite long enough or quite able to like hold up the stuff that we want to. I guess it's worked pretty well for a long time, but I want the mobility of being able to like move it around without sound and stuff. And that's what you get when you pay a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. These arms are great, but you can't really move them. They get kind of loose and they don't yes, really they stay do. in place. Yeah. Mine and sags. they're noisy. Mine yeah. sags a little too. I have yeah, to lower my chair when I'm recording. It starts to droop. <laughs> hey, quit drooping. <clears throat> yeah. But really they've been down. fantastic for the last couple of years that we've been doing recording stuff in here. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's we been can't really awesome. Complain. We do a ton. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty but, good uh, part of a studio. But on the Christmas list, we've got at least one new. We gotta one get new a fresh arm, arm and we we'll get, get a second one arm. probably pretty soon after that. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a great. And I really want to try and invest in uh, in some of the studio stuff. I'm looking yeah. at like another 
another mix oh, another someday mixer? too. I think that that'd be cool eventually. We're good for a long time. I want to try and get a few more robust cables. I think yeah, that's, that's what we need. Part. Um, yeah, a few robust cables. That's gonna answer a lot of the problems that we might have. But really, like part of, part of it is to keep keep costs low. So some yes. of the some of the more fun novelty stuff. I really want to jump in. I want to get you some great headphones, like these uh, Sony MDR seven five zero six headphones that I have running right now. Yeah, I yeah, get that's that duplicated. The headphones you have right now are no slouch. I know they're not quite what you want, but like uh, those AKG. They're really nice. Yeah, those are studio headphones, and they're so it's it's an interesting. Those are great for like. Uh, like field recording stuff like i guess like uh if you were if you were a broadcaster like on a football field or something maybe that would work really poorly you would never hear anything i i feel like if we worked in uh, like a big studio and there were like other people that i had to hear who were in the studio then they'd be useful or like or like they're really good for that it seems like it's a partially open micro or, or it's a partially open uh dome around your ear and it's supposed yeah. to let that sound from outside kind of pass through so it's not really closed it's supposed to let like voices you know from next to you like i think that's the idea is like people that are sitting next to you can like talk to you right but you, but can, you also can still hear hear your broadcast through your headphones yeah. so you're supposed to be able to monitor both i Good noticed for some things but contextually a little different than what we're doing yeah i noticed that um that i have to turn them up a little bit louder than I would really want to be able to hear well. I noticed that too, yeah. And I, maybe I'm just a baby about it, but it's, it is like too loud. <laughs> no, I understand. By the time that it's loud enough, I can hear it. It's too loud, which is a silly way to explain it. Probably makes no <laughs> sense. It's too loud. <laughs> it's Make too loud. I but yeah, understand. I preferred the dynamics of these headphones much more than I than I liked the, the way that those felt and sound for doing this kind for of for this thing. kind of stuff. Yeah. How are how are these for like music stuff? Or is this really for like for talking? They're they're kind of for talking stuff yeah. and like for if you were playing an instrument or something like that and tracking it and you you know it's you wouldn't would you even wear headphones for that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for okay. for some of the stuff. But I mean, would that be something closer to like what you have, where it's like closed off, and you just hear what's coming through the headphones? That's my, you know, these Sony headphones. Uh, these these were like the industry standard for uh, for studios forever. So yeah, these like studio monitor headphones, these MDR seven five zero sixes are the ones to get. Uh, but like since the early nineties, I think is oh, what it was. Wow. Like yeah, end of the nineties. Yeah, but it's they're like, like some of the most saying. popular ones on uh, Amazon. Yeah, Which still choice headphones. Buying my pair. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got to pick up a pair, and uh, we got to get you set up in the for for the studio stuff. It'll be great. It'll be pretty cool. And I mean, I'm already set. Like my uh, my dad had, had uh, made plenty of contributions to the studio over the years. I'm sure with a bunch of these parts. But like the the Heil PR40 is like super fun to to mess around with. That's the microphone, which I do no justice with because of the rest of the audio. <laughs> probably try and run this thing through. It ended up sounding muddy and ordinary like any other mic but it's been really cool to to get to use at least it looks really cool on the on the desk right it looks awesome Look like it's a great microphone <laughs> you sound way better than i do though so really well or, and what's uh what's this microphone that i'm using that's like a it's like a roland mic it's sort of like a sm57 which is like a sure it's like a copy of a sure microphone sort of like that that microphone that's uh, oh, the other on the other one on the desk. Yeah, that one. It's like a, that. Those are great mics for 
like it looks like a stand-up mic, right? Or it yeah, looks like it a does. live performance vocal mic. Those are great for singing into when you're singing out like of a PA or, you know, like for, for something like oh, that. Mm-hmm. So it could take like really, really loud dynamic sounds into it directly on that are really well. It doesn't really pick up a ton of room noise stuff. Like if, so if you wanted oh. it to record a ton of room, I don't think it really would do that. You have to be like kind of right on it, directional and go, Puh. Um, it's, I think it's, um, that's a small diaphragm. This is a large diaphragm, so but it's sort of the same idea of microphone in both of it that you have to get down the barrel of it and then push your breath, your sound down the barrel of the microphone, mm-hmm. similar as you would like on that vocal mic. But the diaphragm on that is going to be smaller. Um, th- those are just the dynamics of some of the mic stuff. But really, like in a sense that they all do like a lot of the same types of things. But like. I think what you remember from some of the studio stuff in the past that we did, like with Scott and Robert, the dynamics of mics and the way that they sound are all super different and the way that they like pick up voices and pick up voices at different registers. It's all super complicated stuff, but that's also the, the thing that, that categorizes maybe like 1% of the quality of mixing stuff. Does that make sense? Do you remember yeah. like the, the level uh, of technical detail that mm-hmm. a, a person mixing something puts into it, but it's not really the same kind of conceptual inform- detail that is required to get a recording of something that sounds decent. Right. You know, it's it, different types of things. Um, so the mic that you're using, though, it sounds really good on your female voice. Yeah. Like through it. So like I was noticing like uh, just the EQ of it comes out better than the EQ of the way that I have mine set up because probably because of the lack of preamp gain that I can push through this Behringer four channel mixer. But I don't know if that's the case though or not. That's what I've heard before or like mm-hmm. kind of picked up on some idea around that. But I've also heard that it's probably okay. Maybe it's some other part of the sound design that I have going on somewhere else in it. But it's uh, yeah. what is the sound design stuff. What is that microphone that you have um, for? Is that for like speaking, recording, or like is that a broadcasting one? Yeah, I think it's be, like you're saying this one is good for singing. The one that I have. Yeah, and it's good. great for the broadcasting stuff that you're doing. Uh, sure. Absolutely, but uh, but yeah, the uh, the, Heil, the Heil PR40 I think was designed by Bob Heil and the guy from the Eagles. Shoot, what's his name? The guy, he was like a ham radio guy. But the, the part of it was uh, some of the, the ham radio stuff they, they would do. So they did like a ton of stuff with the, uh, the industry, um, like arena rock stuff that was going on as they were trying to develop sound systems in the 1970s and 80s for these outdoor live venues and stuff. And so they, they also made up this microphone technology, which was using this large diaphragm to capture, uh, I guess, more of the low sounds of the male voice. Okay. So part of it was designed around like being a broadcast mic for ham radio, of all things, to try uh, and get like, yeah, to try and get good sound for for ham radio, ham radio male voices, and it became one of the most popular um, audio or like uh, studio mics for yeah. male voices, I guess. I know. Yeah, I know that that is a, a popular one. Yeah, it's or like it's this like one. it's considered a, a really nice one. And then there's the other like. Uh, SM, the Shure SMB70 or so, something like that. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's like it looks like a big like black tank of a mic, but it's like oh. this hinge and it's like it's like this big black section on the back end, and then it's like a big the big foam block on the front end. Yeah, it's heavy duty pro broadcaster mic. I do think that I've seen those. Yeah, that's the that's like the one that's like one of the big competitors to this to one, I guess. Yeah, of uh, being a, the, a 
an industry radio standard sort of thing. This one, this one seems to be like more of a podcaster standard or more of like a uh, who likes it gets it. But this is a super popular one and the way expensive one, one of the top in the market for the, the I feel really lucky and overbuilt to even have a microphone <laughs> like this in this silly studio. Um, Your dad gave, gave us that one, right? Yeah. Which was given to him by Bob Heil, which is cool. That's like super the guy, cool. The guy from Heil Microphone. Yeah. You should, cause people probably wouldn't know. But you should mention like why your dad would know him. Or yeah, he was doing the documentary video projects for uh, for high on microphones uh, for like content that they were doing for stuff back in I don't know a couple I don't know like 2010, 11, 12, something like that. But yeah, I think that's when they or probably like nine, ten, eleven, and that's when they were in contact. But yeah, they got to, got a couple of mics and stuff at the time, and it was cool. It's super cool. Yeah, glad to have one here too. It's fun. Microphone from the guy who made it. From the guy who made it. It's in here. It's in my podcast studio. <laughs> Plugged in through a bunch of goofy stuff. A little pop filter. Running into <laughs> an old version of Adobe Audition. <laughs> Pretty cool setup. It's so cool, Marina. Thanks a lot for uh, making cool studios. I love it. Thanks for having a cool home studio. Got to make studios. Yeah. I like it a bunch. I think it's pretty cool. So all this stuff, all the stuff in the mic goes through the mixer, goes into the audio channel, and then goes into this super old, <laughs> like super old uh, little Lenovo netbook. A, a Lenovo X120e. I bought it for $200. Oh, wow. Yeah. Way back. Super was like, long time ago. Yeah, like 2012 or something like that. It was a good deal then, I thought. Yeah. Or I was like, hey, That's cool. cool. I'm going to mess around this laptop. It was, you know, it's kind of a hokey laptop, I guess, like uh, overall, like, you know, like a $200 laptop years and years ago probably would have been. Uh, but it was getting me by for a while. And hey, look, it's still running. <laughs> it's still going. And we're, uh, we're still making some good use out of this thing. But uh, we turned it into an audio computer a few years ago. It's just running Windows 7 and it's kind of stripped out of everything. But, uh, but this audio controller software that uh, is kind of pulling in the audio feed from USB into the laptop. And then we've got uh, like an old version of Adobe Audition running. Adobe Audition is a cool program. I guess it's, it doesn't seem to be used by, well, it's probably a standard in almost every place. So I don't know why I'm really saying it doesn't seem to be used anywhere. But I remember it was used when I was at the radio station when I was doing the internship there. Like they had a version of it, but it was like version 1.0. Oh, wow. I was like, whoa. This isn't even what I have on my podcast computer. <laughs> that's what I was like. Oh, that's so silly. Yeah. Yeah. What radio station was that? That's, was that's that... life though. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just like, you guys don't even have the thing that would be the minimum to do this. Oh uh, gosh. Yeah. That's what school felt like. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous what you find out people just do the work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, this is not very, yeah. That's, you gotta, you gotta be like your own professional. Yeah. Or something, you, know, you buy your own tools is, I guess, what you have to do. Which, uh, if, it's, if a company has to buy your tools, they're going to buy bad tools. That's sort of what <laughs> I've been figuring out. I always thought they were like, oh, no, we'll definitely get the, hey, yeah, get a new laptop. Get, get the new software. Use the new stuff. Get the new Final Cut. Make the new edits. All right. But nope. It's just, what do you mean? We're keeping the old one rolling. What is That's quality the, anyway? Yeah. 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 I don't know. What, yeah. It's a weird thing. Yeah, working. It's a funny thing. So that's our podcast studio. That's some of the stuff we have. Oh, yeah, the old computer. We have, Adobe Audition. And uh, and we have like the, the gearbox. Yeah, the that gearbox. That also runs through. 
And then there's that little software piece or just a little window that goes with that. Yeah, that's like the audio interface software Mm -hmm. that, uh, that has like a lot of the preamp stuff that we run through. And that works really really well. It's been pretty effective in sort of setting up some of the sound stuff that we have simply. But really, this is repurposing some technology too. Like a lot of people can go out, they can find boxes from Behringer or companies like M-Audio. Um, and I'm sure there's like a lot of other things out there too, even still under line six, which is what this one was made as. Uh, but these audio interface boxes that do USB into the computer, but then it's like an, an analog out. And these are good enough AD conversion boxes. Uh, and I guess AD conversion gets better and better over time, but AD is analog to digital conversion. And I guess this process has been what's plagued, I guess, make writing files of media since it's began. Because you, you buy, you're destroying the analog when you're making the digital. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. So you, you know, you have the analog coming in and then that has to at some point be broken down and then remade as a digital component in some way and if you imagine back in the 80s they like didn't do it very well if you can kind of they did it but they had like weird sounds to it that's why like a lot of the 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 cds that came out back then in like 83 80 45 86 those early presses of cds they had these really bad sounds to it because the 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 pressing of the cd like as, as the ad conversion went from when you had like a really great studio master, you would do an AD conversion to get that into bits, but that would add this really terrible scratchy hiss to it. Even though digital is hissless, that's like the advantage of digital. You get this really weird crunchy distortion that was in like uh, some of the high frequency bands, like the three, four. We saw it a little bit, you know, like when we were doing the EQ stuff, we drag it out, we kind of drag the EQ up really high and like over into the high frequencies and you get this like weird chirpy warble. Sound. Yeah, really strange sound. That was what was kind of plaguing CDs early on. But it was it was some of the AD conversion stuff that was in these early chips. And even still, really, it's one of the things that's most difficult because it's not, like you've learned in computer programming, there's a human at some point in some capacity that made the thing that makes a real sound turn into a fake sound that sounds like the real sound. It's weird, right? But the, yeah. way, the way that the sampling algorithm works, if you imagine 30 years ago when it first started, wasn't quite wasn't quite there. Now, it, it's supposed to, it, it works great. Everything works great. We sound great. People have been using phones and stuff for digital audio for years and years and years. MP3s, it's fixed. Or, you know, it, it's happening now. Yeah. People, have, people are on their way. But... Uh, but we're so-so, you know? <laughs> so we're, we're running our box through like just a little Line 6 gearbox, which I think was made for a guitar input. Like if you were in high school and you were in a rock band and you want to practice on your laptop, oh. you'd jack your guitar in. And so your mom didn't have to hear you playing on your headphone or on your, on your, your amplifier. You put your oh. headphones on through your computer and you would model, you would model like uh, speakers that you would want to play through. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I... So- I don't think it was gearbox a gearbox specifically, but I had friends who were who were uh, yeah. into music who had that set up for that reason. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so you'd, you'd set you'd do an amp modeled preamp, uh, so you could make it sound like a vintage system, you make it sound like a Marshall system or like a grunge system or a metal system. Uh, so you could just kind of pop That's into cool. these different sounds and then hear it through your headphones. And then also like what we're doing right now, recording through it on yeah. vocals. You could record and then do like multi tracking stuff. 
um, to bring in the audio. And this is a way slicker system than the idea of trying to run audio inputs through the sound card that you'd have on the computer. Oh, yeah. I remember those days, too, when you'd record through a mixer, but then the input like this, the input at some point was straight into the mixer, into the sound card. And that's where your, uh -huh. your AD chip was. And yeah. that's what you would buy too. Like back in 1998, if you had like a desktop computer, you would buy for a thousand dollars, like a 16 bit sound card, like some sound blaster that had, that had the processing on it that you could do an album on you, you could play you could play sounds and CDs and audio and stuff, but like if you wanted to do some recording and some mixing and stuff, you had to like get like a way expensive one. And just a couple of years later, it was like, oh well, we're on to thirty-two bit sound mm -hmm. now. And like blah, 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 we're way past. It. And then that's decades ago too. So now it's like it's it's way different than that altogether <laughs> from that still. But that was like the first time you're even like kind of eclipsing the horizon on on the ability of the technology to do the capabilities of sound processing that we were wanting it to do. Or, you know, to like master an album and multi-track a whole set of, of audio files. That is interesting, like kind of getting there and like, you know, just barely getting the right the right pieces of technology together to do it. So it's weird. AD, AD conversion is like a weird thing. But M-Audio, Behringer, Line 6, they all make really good, simple rigs for that sort of stuff now. And with the proliferation of home recording studios and audio editing stuff and podcasting, these things are like around in a lot of places. Like you can pop into any guitar center or always on Amazon or Best Buy or something, and, and you can find these types of uh, pieces of equipment. And I guess they work pretty well. There's probably some rigging you have to do. Like, we had to do a lot of rigging on this even just to get the sound to be adequate. Yeah. There's a lot in sound design stuff that you have to do, and just compression and noise reduction and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just goes on and on, it seemed like. So yeah, it seems like it's like yeah, a lot of like fine points to tune and work out for audio recording. Yeah. There are a lot of, there's just so many pieces to it. Yeah. Um, which is cool and an, an interesting thing that uh, I've gotten to learn about through our, our podcasting and stuff that I've been doing with you. Yeah. But yeah, there are just so many pieces to it. It seems like really a lot could go wrong at any stage. Oh yeah. I remember that stuff like, working in like the technical side of it where you have to think about like your audio chain and like where things are going bad or like what's likely to, to be a problem when you're troubleshooting something. It's really interesting to try and reverse engineer that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think we've been doing pretty great for a while now. Um, but I remember like when we were first getting our studio stuff set up, there was a ton of fine tuning that you kept having to do just for, for working stuff out. Oh yeah. It sounded like crazy. Like, <laughs> it sounded like way, way different. Even still, like we're kind of making discoveries on how to like pull different things back and make it work better. Mm -hmm. But there's all sorts of things that seem to come through still that are, that are kind of interesting. And, and you know, all the dynamics that people in real studios know how to do that we don't, but for home studio stuff, for home recording stuff, we're doing fine. It's fun. It's for podcasts. Yeah. I think it works really well. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, yeah, like you were saying, we do stuff through, um, Adobe Audition and um we had been doing really like all of our processing stuff yeah in there but um just recently uh we've been using GarageBand yeah I have been doing some also. GarageBand stuff part of that's like workflow I think yeah. more than anything part of that really Audition I think is a better DAW a digital audio workstation I think Audition is probably superior. And with a lot of the things that we could do in multi-tracking and in editing, 
there's there's a lot of great stuff that we could do there that like I was saying that radio station still ran on Odd Edition 1.0 right right, right. so Audition 3.0 is in no way uh, gonna be bad at it um, but part of it was the workflow stuff that I was talking about so because like I was mentioning we had invested in the world's cheapest netbook computer to run this software on it's it's really difficult to do complex media editing on that laptop if, if you remember sometimes that mouse does not work doesn't or work. the mouse pad <laughs> doesn't work at all so the vision of it was that we use this older laptop with the software to make the files to create the audio and kind of you know hold it and process it so we had that laptop kind of unitasking that process but really what i wanted to do is bounce that audio out so that we can get it back to our main computer like the macbooks bring it into some software, make some final adjustments, add some sound to it, and then and then have that with us on the go outside of the studio so we can uh, throw that up on the web when we were ready to publish it. So I kind of like the way that that workflow worked better. And the reason that I went with, um, with GarageBand really is because it's free and because yeah. uh, its most recent update really does make it a pretty adequate multi-tracker, especially for something where it's just two or three tracks that I'm trying to put together and then export of an audio file that I'm of me talking. And since I was able to do all that configuration stuff, like we were mentioning in box, like in the AD converter box, and then in the software, in addition, I really don't have to do much when I get into GarageBand so much, but I do some EQ and I do some final mastering of it. And I think that that's like worked really well in the workflow. And it works, it works great. I, I don't think there's really anything wrong with GarageBand. It seems like there's a lot of pretty advanced features in there um, that for, for people that are not running studios in a real sense, like they could really run a podcast studio with GarageBand if yeah. that's what they wanted to get into. I would, I would recommend GarageBand above Audacity. Have you heard of that program? Audacity is like a freeware audio editing software that's kind of similar to like the concept of Audition or GarageBand where you do multi-track editing and you you make clips and stuff. It's cool, uh, but I would way recommend uh, some of the stuff that I've been seeing uh, as possibilities in this new version of GarageBand. I think it's it's pretty impressive. It's modern software. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I've just barely gotten into it since it's been added to the workflow for our editing and stuff, but it seems really cool. Or like, it seems like it, it seems like it works great for just a couple of tracks that you're trying to put together for the, for the type of stuff and that for the, doing, yeah. and for, yeah. And for just the, the kind of in a really minimal way, but just like the kind of editing you can do on the audio track that you're putting in is cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed with some of the stuff that they have and, and throwing it on the laptop and having it there for free has been great. And, and that's what I was trying to run out a bunch of the podcasts on that I was recording to the computer back through like September and October and like early parts of November. Um, a lot of those podcasts were all put together by recording straight into GarageBand um, through a microphone. And so I thought that was kind of a cool way to, to go through it and like, you know, you just clip, clip stuff there and then do some of the EQ stuff within GarageBand. But right now the workflow is we drag over the audio file from the PC that we have uh, the, the mic recording done in, we bring that into Audition, or I'm sorry, we bring, we bring that into GarageBand. Uh, we throw it up on the EQ. And that was really cool doing the EQ analysis and seeing where we have those runaway frequencies. Yeah, it's really cool for visualizing that. Yeah. I like I like the way that they have it displayed. Visual EQs are a really interesting thing. And, and yeah, being able to take those little notch adjusters and pull it up 
like in the 3000 kilohertz range or the 1000 kilohertz or something and you, you pull up and you find those really bad harsh frequencies that, and it's weird how like whatever our environment is seems to produce you know the mics that we have the compression that we have it sort of puts it sort of presses all of those bad frequencies into those zones and you can kind of find that in your eq and you can grab that bad frequency and pull that down so that it kind of it quiets that bad weird sound down and it really makes like the whole rest of the sound scope feel better it's a weird thing you know you talk about feeling sound but it's a weird thing when you have those bad frequent these harsh scratchy frequencies mm -hmm. in like a whole spectrum of sound it, it feels worse and that's like a lot of the art of mixing is to kind of get rid of those intrusive and sort of sort of subliminal aggressive harsh tones Another part of it is that we're trying to bring down some of the low end stuff. So it's interesting with that analyzer is we can see like a big hump of the the low end sound that's coming through. And that's something that's really muddy. Uh, it's that EQ stuff that's like that really like low end kind of dirty middle sound. Yeah. And it makes it come off as sounding really muddy. And that's something that uh, it, it's an EQ reverb thing where it, it makes it sound like you're like really tight onto something. Like there's no space. Oh yeah. Or breadth or space. Like if someone was, was talking right into your ear versus a, a couple feet away from your face, like just the space of the room, it would make it feel different. Right. Right. I definitely noticed that in audio recording. Yeah. So that's, that's a part of, part of the audio engineering stuff that's going on at the same time of, you know, capturing stuff into the mic, EQing it so that it feels like a certain type of presence in audio that you're familiar with. Yeah. There's a whole handful of things around like that. A whole handful of them I don't know either, like how to get rid of my uh, mouth sound. <laughs> how do you get rid of that sound? You can do it. It's an EQ thing too. It's like that sound is a thing in EQ that I guess you can pull out. It's like, oh, that's a whole thing. But uh, someday we'll do it. <laughs> we got to figure it out. Someday we'll do another episode of this podcast too, Marina. Thanks a lot for uh, recording this one with me. We've been jamming for a while. Thanks a bunch. What's your Instagram account, Marina? It is Marina Visual. Follow Marina on Instagram at Marina Visual. And check. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you. I was going to announce yours since you. Oh well, mine. go ahead, Marina. What? <laughs> Please follow Billy on Instagram at Billy Newman. At Billy Newman, look at that. Yeah, on Instagram, you can go to my website BillyNewmanPhoto.com to see this podcast, the Media Tech Podcast along with several other podcasts that Marina and I do. The Billy Newman Photo Podcast, where Marina and I get into all of the creative media content stuff that we're putting out for the week. That's a pretty fun one, too. Uh, that is a cool one. That's, uh, I think, your longest-running podcast also, longest right? Longest-running podcast, yeah. How many episodes of that one are there now? I think there's like 140. Hey, somewhere around there. cool. Yeah, I don't even list the episode numbers anymore, but um, the Night Sky Podcast, that's the other one that we're producing. It's all about the night sky celestial events and sky watching that are happening above us for the week that you're in. So it's kind of a cool one. You can also check out, this is an exciting one, and what we've been pumped about, probably what we were talking about this whole time, right? This Night Sky 365 Alexa flash briefing. You can go to Alexa, if you have an Alexa or an Echo Dot uh, you can go ahead and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? It'll pull up uh, information about, or, you know, like once you get a, our flash briefing installed, which you must do. You got to try it. At least once it's cool. A few people try <laughs> it. Um, yeah, you're, you're going to get some daily information about uh, the stars out. Yeah. Is it a full moon? Is it a new moon? Are there stars out? 
What season is it? What? How bright's that planet? Is there a comet? Is there a meteor shower? Oh, none, of, none of those tonight. It's cloudy. It's probably what we got <laughs> going on now. Shoot. Uh, but yeah, all those podcasts and more can be found at billynewmanphoto.com along with a bunch of photographs. But you can see those. You can see those wherever. You can see. You can find links there everywhere from there. So thanks a lot for listening to this long outro to the uh, Tech Media Podcast. Marini, you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think that that wraps things up nicely. We've covered everything in this last hour and 11 minutes. Solid job, Marina. Solid podcaster. Thank you very much for recording with me. Thanks so much. So on behalf of Marina Hansen, my name is Billy Newman, and thank you all very much for listening to this media tech podcast. <laughs>